0: Hello and welcome to Women of the Middle East podcast. This podcast relates the realities of Arab women and their rich and diverse experiences. It aims to present the multiplicity of women's voices and it wishes to break cultural stereotypes about women of the Middle East, as well as educate and empower the younger generation of Middle Eastern women who were stripped of their historical reference and weren't necessarily raised to believe in their agency and power to create their own destiny. I'm Amal Malki. I'm a feminist, scholar, and educator. I'm also the author of Arab Women in Arab News, Old Stereotypes and New Media. I created this podcast to be an extension and an update of the book and its main topics. Hello. I've been publishing an episode every two weeks, and I have to admit, it's not an easy thing to do, especially while I'm still doing other things, including my full-time job. But I have to admit also that I love recording these episodes. I'm loving the feedback I'm getting from you. So please continue writing to me. I record uh, this episode, which is relatively shorter from the last three episodes for one reason, because I'm recording it from quarantine after being tested positive for COVID-19. I'm very, very lucky that the symptoms are considered mild, but even though I didn't have a problem breathing, uh, the other symptoms are no joke. So please, please take care of yourselves. Now, welcome to episode four. Episode four is the second in a series about women in conflict zones. In episode three, I talked about Yemen, and I'm very happy with the feedback I received on that episode. It resonated with many people. Please keep sending me your um, comments. Here, I'll be focusing on Iraq, an Iraqi woman. And like in every episode, my premise is how I found Iraqi women and the corpus I gathered and analyzed in an Arab woman book, and we go from there. The complex picture of women in Iraq reflects the complex realities of everyone in Iraq. Iraq faced decades of political upheaval and economic instability due to wars, economic sanctions, U.S. invasion, ISIS, and corrupt political leadership. Iraqi women held a high reputation during Saddam's long rule. We've always heard about their education, the freedom they enjoyed, and the prosperity they lived in. Of course, that is not to say that all Iraqi women were free and educated, but the Iraqi constitution back then has institutionalized women's rights. The economic sanctions imposed by the UN that took place after Iraqi's invasion of Kuwait in 1991 until 2003 took its tool on Iraqi people. The common stories that came out of Iraq is the brain drain uh, issue where many of Iraq's intelligentsia and professionals have migrated to Europe, Americas, and Australia. Iraqi women also belong to the minorities like the Kurdish uh, that suffered the most under Saddam's rule, whom he committed the genocides against them. Iraq's history of wars and conflicts kept on escalating and took a turn to the worst with the fall of Baghdad in 2003, better known as the occupation of Iraq. The country fell into chaos and conflict between the Shia and Sunni insurgents, which turned the whole country into a war zone. An Arab woman, examples from Iraq being a hot war zone during the 2005 and 2006, comes up constantly and contributes towards 20% of the articles we coded. A brief describes war-torn Iraq in April 2006, for example, from Sharq al-Awsat. Wars are not kind to men, but they have ways of punishing women even more. They restrict their physical mobility, keeping girls from schools and women from their workplace. Security issues make the streets unsafe for women and making them harder to employ unless they're willing to transport bombs underneath their abayas. Fathers kept their daughters from going to school. Fathers and husbands, also in a way of protection, kept their wives, daughters and sisters from going out to work. Another brief from May 2006 in Al-Hayat describes in grave terms what it meant for an Iraqi student to live in a war zone through the spring final examination period. Just before the final exam were to begin, the head in charge of administrating the examination of four Baghdad schools was killed. Parents had already been paying for security guards to escort their girls safely to and from school. The chaos of the final examination period and the increased threats of violence meant the cost of security for girls' mobility was skyrocketing. Religious insurgents in a war zone who want to prove they have control of the streets make stamping out the movement of girls and women, especially those who fail to wear hijab, their highest priority. One girl, Reem Mahmoud, said regretfully my school received flyers that threatened female students who are not veiled with death if they go out to the examination. Girls are prime targets for kidnapping and Reem said sadly my mom would accompany me for fear of kidnapping and kidnapping operations. Desperate and exasperated, Reem laments, is there any hope for me to go back to school? who is responsible for all the years of studying I've wasted. Al-Hayat brief of October 2006 updates the security situation in Baghdad and Baghdad schools at the start of the next school year. Increasing number of parents insist on keeping their children at home. More than 4,000 university students have requested transfers to universities outside Baghdad. A female student identified as Abir, close to finishing her master's degree, had to abandon her studies after her brother was killed by a militant group. A student identified as Sarah, complains that the chaos of war gives any religious dialect a perfect excuse to bully her and her friends. A junior student in philosophy, Sarah wonders how female students can continue their studies amidst threats that they must wear the Islamic headscarf and stay away from all sorts of makeup. Sarah has personally witnessed female students being beaten up for not wearing the headscarf. She didn't want this to happen to her, so she has decided to leave the school for a year. Now fast forward, we know that things were not solved and Baghdad as well as other parts of Iraq became unfriendly towards women. Al Hayat brief of august two thousand six from Iraq reports that Iraqi Minister for Women's Affairs Fatin Abdul Rahman Mahmoud had demanded that the Iraqi side be allowed to participate in the ongoing investigations into the crimes committed by American soldiers against Iraqi citizens. According to Mahmoud, the American should not be allowed to prosecute their own soldiers because they would use soldier stress as an excuse. Iraqis should be part of the persecution team so that the American would not be able to extend leniency to criminal soldiers or avert their eyes from the magnitude of the wrongdoing committed by American soldiers. The complexity of Iraqi situation is also due to its population formation, made up of several ethnic and religious minorities, including Christians, Kurds, Turkmens, Assyrians, and Yazidis. 96% of the population are Muslims, 60% of which are Shia. The intersectionality of oppression of Iraqi women can be seen when you consider the multiple layers of their identities, whether it has to do with sectarianism, education class, or political affiliation. Iraqi women are subject to gender-based violence, exploitation, displacement, among other forms of oppression. An Arab woman, we reported on a brief from Sharq al-Awsad from August 2005 in which an Iraqi Kurdish feminist called Hawzan Mahmoud openly expressed her fear that the strengthening of Islamic law in Iraq would create a disaster to women and society as a whole. She cautioned, we don't want to go hundreds of years back to the middle ages where religion dominated over society it will be a period where women are second-class citizens she complained that the religious sects in iraq were perpetrating violence against women every day she accused various of these sects of exploiting the American occupation as a pretext for forcing conservative religious views down women's throats. And she charged the Iraqi police and the occupation forces with showing not the slightest interest in solving the problem. While the U.S. completed its withdrawal from Iraq in December 2011, a human rights violation continued, as well as repression of rights and freedoms, especially for women. According to the United Nations Development Program in Iraq, 1 in 10 households are headed by women, and around 80% of the population are widows. sectarianism in Iraq lingered beyond politics and tried to impose new orders, especially on women. For example, the calling for amendments to the personal status code that gave more authority to different religious authorities. For example, and according to the Jafari sect, which is a Shia sect, restrictions would be put on women's rights to inherit, rights for after divorce, and also makes it easier for men to marry multiple wives and allows families to marry off their daughters from the age of nine. This proposal was met with widespread opposition by women associations in Iraq and demonstrations by Iraqi women, which led to the parliament rejecting of this proposal. In February 2009, the Iraqi Minister of Women's Affairs resigned in protest the lack of support to the growing number of widows, unemployed women, oppressed and detained women after years of sectarian warfare. In 2015, the ministry was abolished. The breakdown of the state and lack of security gave chance to ISIS to emerge. Then came ISIS who captured the Mosul and other territories in Iraq in 2014. The plague of minorities intensified, witnessing displacement of members of Christian, Yazidi, Turkmen, and others. Daesh or ISIS has committed atrocities against non Muslims and in Shia, including killing and kidnapping of women and girls and forcing them to change their religion. One of the crimes that ISIS committed that shocked the world, the whole world, but especially the Muslim world, is the sexual slavery which they used because they used Islamic scripture wrongfully to justify it. This will remain as one of the most horrendous histories of violence against women as the history of institutionalized rape. The way the women were kidnapped and sold in a slavery market conjures up the slave trade of the blacks, one of the shameful chapters of our history East and West. However, this slave trade used technology and mobile phones as they used to exchange pictures of women and girls through mobiles and finalize the deals through the online messaging. Women who escaped ISIS were given the chance to relate the horrific experiences they went through, contributing to supporting women and girls who survived sexual violence like them. We cannot but mention here Nadia Murad, an Iraqi Yazidi, a human rights activist who got awarded Nobel Peace Prize in 2018. Nadia Murad, who was enslaved by ISIS in 2014 and escaped captivity after three months and reached a refugee camp. She ended up in Germany, where she lives now. She uses her story to bring attention to sexual violence against women and help victims of abuse and human trafficking. Well where is Iraq now? Iraq was described as a fragile state in twenty eighteen and the gender profile between December twenty seventeen and june twenty eighteen that was done by the UN or commissioned by the UN Women and Oxfam. Iraq ranked one hundred and twenty first out of one hundred and eighty-eight countries in the UN Human Development Index in twenty seventeen and ranked 123 on the UN Gender Inequality Index. Iraq holds one of the lowest GII ranking in the MENA region in comparison to Saudi Arabia, which is ranked 50, Oman ranked 54, Lebanon ranked 83, Algeria ranked 95, and Iran ranked 118. However, it's better positioned than Syria, Afghanistan, and Yemen. The next segment in this episode gives the chance for Iraqi women's voices to reach you. We will listen first from Intisar Al Mayali, a women's rights advocate and activist who fights the everyday fight for all women
1: in Iraq. I'm
2: Antisar Al Mayali from Iraq. I'm a member of the Iraqi Women's League and a member of the Iraqi Coalition for Iraq's National Action Plan for the implementation of the UNSCR. 1325 Women, Peace, and Security Despite being subject to all forms of violence, discrimination, inequity, and violations, Iraqi women and girls have always taken stance against these abuses, violations, absence of laws that deter violence, weak legal procedures, and poor enforcement of the laws. As well as the terrible violations against Iraqi women, whether at home in the form of domestic violence or in the community, such as harassment, even at the workplace. This is in addition to the violence committed against them by armed groups and ISIS, which led to the captivity of some Iraqi women, leaving them humiliated and vulnerable to trafficking and rape. Nevertheless, Iraqi women's voice remained a voice of peace, wisdom and reason. Iraqi women and girls always look for enjoying a better life where safety and stability prevail. A life free from violations. They have always aspired for living in their country where the language of security and peace dominates. Not the language of weapons, violence, shootings, murders and assassinations. Iraqi women are determined and working hard to create a better future for Iraq through programs of peace and peaceful coexistence in all of Iraq's provinces, cities, and villages. They are helping each other for the sake of empowerment and economy building in order to overcome all the ordeals they have been going through. They want to leave a remarkable imprint in securing and protecting their country. This is what was embodied in the first national action plan for the implementation of the UNSCR 1325 Women, Peace, and Security, which was written by women and presented to the government to be a plan or a roadmap to consolidate the value of peaceful coexistence and secure sustainable peace in Iraq in partnership with women and civil society organizations. It's an endeavor to create a safe and stable country that guarantees a decent life and social justice for both men and women without discrimination. Iraqi women have been doing their best in all of the early mentioned, despite the obstacles and challenges they face at work. Iraqi women and girls indeed have been more socially effective, stronger, and able to create peace, protect their country and secure its safety from sectarian disputes and terrorist groups.
1: And
0: You will hear short voice clips that were sent to me by five Iraqi women who represent the diversity spectrum of Iraqi women, but all want peace and prosperity for their country.
1: I'm Naveen Sumuqi, a Yazidi journalist from Iraq. My dream is to live a safe life, and my goal is to always be at the leading end. Despite violence, terrorism, and difficulties, I very much hope that we will live a better life in a safe country through the campaigns and demands that we firmly make. Also, I'm always keen to be part of creating a better future for my country. I'm Jihan, Turkman Iraqi. Despite violence, terrorism and difficulties, I have a dream and a goal in life. And my great hope is that we will live a better life, free from discrimination and abuse, in a peaceful country that embraces everyone. I'm also keen to be part of creating a better future for my country. My name is Hanan, a Shia Iraqi. My dream is to complete my studies and finish college. Despite violence, terrorism, and difficulties, I have a goal to achieve in life, and I really hope that we will live a better life, free from discrimination and abuse, in a peaceful country that embraces everyone. I'm also keen to be part of creating a better future for my country. I'm Nibras Al Zubaydi, Iraqi Muslim. My goal is to deliver my message in media humanly and with all sincerity. Despite all the persecutions that women face and the restrictions they are subject to in any field, I insist on always being bitter and stronger to confront anyone who tries to underestimate my goals and ambitions in life. I'm a الصحفيه شيماء Abbasi. I am Shaima Al abbasi a court journalist from Iraq. My dream is for safety and security to be descended in my country. My goal is to spread love and peace around the world. Despite violence, terrorism and difficulties, I very much hope that we will live a better life, free from discrimination and abuse, in a peaceful country that embraces everyone. And I'm keen to be part of creating a better future for my country.
0: I end this episode with a wish that you all stay safe and well. Take care and write to me.